This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, my husband had to get glasses today. And this has been a, a very traumatizing experience in our household. He's never had glasses. He has never had glasses. Now, I've had glasses since I was seven, but he has never even worn reading glasses. So is this no contacts? Nothing? Nope. Not for him. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, okay. he is, he has always had perfect eyesight. So yes, he had to get glasses. And when you don't get glasses until your late 40s, you go from nothing to trifocals. That's not a problem in our house because three of the four of us have had glasses for a long time. Poor Julie and Hannah are blind, basically, uh, nearly blind. And um, they have had glasses since an early age. And the really, really short story that I'll tell on a little bit, Julie always wanted to get glasses when she was little, but they didn't think she had problems. And so they just thought that the brother needed the glasses and she wanted them because her brother was getting an eye exam. And, you know, she was really small, like seven, six, seven, eight years old. And the story goes that... You know, they allowed her to go in the exam chair just to kind of satisfy her and figures out that she actually is not able to see very well at all. And on the ride home with her new glasses, she makes the comment to her mother, my precious, precious mother-in-law. Oh, my gosh, mom, all the trees have leaves on them and was just this. Oh, no. <laughs> kind of moment in my mother-in-law's life where it was, oh, my goodness, what have I done to my baby child? So we are blind in our home, except for Emma, the athlete, the softball player, who has 20-20 vision at the age of 18, and we have no idea how. I can only imagine what he's going through. Yeah, he said he was going to have to go get a corduroy jacket with elbow patches to finish out the look so he would look smarter. But that said, you know, he was telling me that the doctor told him that he was going to have to adjust to do some things completely differently, that he wasn't going to be able to look out just if he needed to look to the right, he was going to have to turn his head or or if he needed to walk downstairs, he was physically going to have to tilt his head down because of the way these trifocal lens worked. I've always worn contacts since I was seven. I mean, I, I can't even imagine having to figure that out for the first time at our age. It made me think about a comment that you've made recently about choosing which lens to look through. We have a choice of how we want to see a challenge or something in front of us. My definition of that is choose your lens. Choose the lens that you want to look through because I can make anything terrible or I can make most things positive or good. I can find some positive in there if I look through the right lens. If I look through the wrong lens, then I can make everything scary, fearful, too dangerous. I'm a risk manager by trade. If you go to certain continuing education classes, you will not get out of bed in the morning because there's risk everywhere. You will no longer drive. You will no longer go down or up a flight of stairs. You certainly won't get in an elevator because it could stop and you could be locked inside. There's so many things in life that we would do if we look through the lens of risk management the wrong way. I hope 
that that is something that I've done better than average at is seeing the business and seeing the business opportunity and being able to decipher between the risk and the fear. And sometimes it's just the cost of doing business. And sometimes it's something that you you just have to plow through and you have to do. But we can do this in a positive light or a negative light. That sounds so simplistic. One of my mantras in life is every day when I wake up, I have two choices to make. You know, I can be happy or sad. I can be plain or be sparkly. And why would I choose to be plain and sad when I can choose to be happy and sparkly? Now, I'm not suggesting that, Shane, you have that conversation with yourself every day on whether or not you're going to be plain or sparkly. But most days that works. But some days that lens is just hard. I'm going to be happy when I'm plain. So it's a really easy thing for me because plain is wonderful in my world. I love plain. I don't need sparkly for me to be happy. But some people need sparkly. You know, I get it. That's okay. It's okay to be sparkly. I just don't need it for my happiness. I don't need to have two decisions there. I just need one decision, positive or negative. How am I going to see this day? Happy or sad? This is a thing, and I know we've gotten down this path before about people with the ability to just say, you know, they're happy all the time. And that bugs other people. Some people are totally agitated by happy people. Ironically, I'm actually agitated by overly happy people. I heard a man say one time, and it was actually a man, we bought his agency at the age of 84. He was 84 years old. His agency was started in 1947. We closed on the agency September 1st, 2001, 10 days before 9-11. And I remember these vivid conversations like they were yesterday. And I, every time I would say, Mr. Jim, how you doing today? He would say, well, I'm looking down on the grass, not up at it. That was his lens. At 84 years old, he was happy to be awake. He was happy to be alive. It was an easy decision for him each morning. And I've met people like that throughout my life that maybe I've just kind of reached the point where mad, sad, it's not a good way to live. When going through this hard market and going through the challenges of our businesses, what advice would you give to agents to help them choose to look at this through a positive lens? Number one, it's going to be okay. And I think that's hard to see sometimes because you have frustration running at you nonstop. People are upset. They're not upset with you. That's the thing you have to come to the conclusion of. You have to understand. People sometimes just need to vent. They're upset with the situation. They may be upset with the political environment. They may be upset with something their kid did the day before, whatever. But you're the one that catches the heat of the moment. You're the one that just happens to be in that situation. I think that we have to see things. We have this business, an insurance agency, an independent insurance agency that has choices. It is a good, solid business that a single hard market, it's not going to tank us. It's not going to put us out of business. If we lose some really, really crazy percentage of our business, we're writing that much business to replace it. Frustrating. Because I think what happens is we get into this sort of perspective that I'm supposed to grow X percent every year. And when we're not growing X percent of year, we were flat this year, we freak out. But how many businesses out there 
have gone backwards over the last three years. We get in our bubble and we forget to have these different perspectives and look through these different lenses and go, wow, I'm doing pretty good. I'm still growing or I didn't shrink or I only shrunk 5% or whatever because there's so many positives that a hard market actually takes an independent agency through. The market shakeout of the Great Recession, there were some agencies that went away, that sold, that were fire sales. There was a lot of really good agencies that got stronger. So there are market cycles where there are some weak scenarios. There are weak agencies. There are weak scenarios where they don't make it. But the stronger, focused, doing it the right way agencies generally come out of these cycles stronger, bigger, better. And I think that's a lens that I have always attempted to choose to look through. Things aren't going well. Why aren't they going well? Is it the outside things I can't control? Well, let's turn it inward and say, okay, well, what can I control? Well, I can get more efficient. I can do this. I can train my staff. I can do all these things that make me stronger so that I come out of this in a better place. Going back to the idea of glasses, do you think it's better to be looking at situations like this up close through the reading glasses or stepping back and looking long term? I've said and I continue to preach that it's an infinite game business, that it is a long term cycle business. So naturally I go long term. Now, when you're in the fire, it is really hard to think long term and it takes some deep breaths. It takes some pauses, taking a step back. This is why I think that it's important that we understand that, that we're going to have to disconnect for a day. We're going to have to take our weekend. We're going to have to take our evenings. We're going to have to do something. When you're in the middle of that storm, when things are crazy and chaotic, it can be different from agency A to agency B. Agency A with a great policy per customer ratio versus agency B with a a poor policy per customer ratio is going to have a different result in the middle of the storm. And I think that's one of those weakness categories that makes you look as an agency owner and go, hey, this is a problem. I need to pay attention to this. I need to figure out how to get better at this. But it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of the storm. And the only thing that has ever worked for me is that unplug, step away, take a deep breath, see where things are, what's going on, and understand where your business is and, and what is causing the storm that you're in. So many of the things right now is the market cycle and things that are out of your control. But what you do control is your response and how you respond to your clients. You get a chance to have conversations with more people. Okay. Here's a lens for you. Here's a positive outlook. Everybody's calling you right now about their insurance pricing. Well, you can't get your clients to stop in their busy lives to give you their VIN number historically to change the new vehicle out. But now they want to talk. Now they're calling. Now they're disrupted. You have an opportunity now to talk to your clients. As frustrating as that is and as overwhelming as that can be, if you take the positive outlook, you have an opportunity to change the conversation. I know there's times in our market and there's times throughout the last 10, 15 years where it's go, 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 and you couldn't get your customers to stop and just say hello. But now... Now, they may be calling you with a different tone, but you're getting an opportunity to be in front of them in some way or another. And so how we do that, how we show how that lens is viewed is is important. This also gives us a time when we're able to really step back and look at our book. 
And you may have been hearing us talk about the importance of policy per customer ratio. And you're looking at your book and you're thinking, hey, I didn't build a book that way. So that doesn't apply to me. But maybe this is that time to look at that book and think, okay, I have an opportunity now to really build value in my book and rebuild my book in a way that long term is going to make this easy for me. I think that is exactly what we ought to be doing. And I can say just from a little bit of experience here, we've gotten lucky on one thing in the last eight months. Coming out of 2021 and into 2022, we have here in our original agency in Huntington, Texas, this book of business that was originally purchased in 1983 that technically traces its roots back to 1961. Now, obviously, the book is different, has changed over time. We are, for those listening, the profile of our book is about 50-50 personal lines versus commercial lines. Part of that personal lines book is a very common thing that happens in the small town environment of independent agencies, the rural areas. We have a monoline auto book. Now, I don't classify it as non-standard, but it's certainly not standard and preferred. It's a little better than non-standard. I coined this term several years ago. Preferred non-standard, if there's such a thing, is kind of what this personal auto book looks like. And one of the things that we were doing is we had the entire personal lines book scattered across four account managers. And after talking to several agents that were kind of thinking about this and hearing some other folks talk about it, we made the decision to break out that monoline personal auto book and break it out of an account manager. It was going to be pulled off of the account manager. It wasn't going to be assigned and it was going to kind of be, for lack of a better term, sort of orphaned over here, like rotationalized service. Whoever gets the call takes it. That book of business turned out to be like $1.2 million in premium. That monoline book of business. Just hang with me here. This gets interesting. So we broke that out. That took all of the other customers, spread them across the same four account managers. Now the policy per customer ratio went up from 1.6 in this small town personal lines book of business to well over 2.0 policies per customer within the account managers because this monoline book that's sitting out there at 1.1 because there was some auto that also had a boat. So it maybe it was more than one policy, but it was mainly driven by the auto. And this book of business, six months later, in the middle of this hard market craziness, is now at 1.4 million. Oh, and by the way, we stopped writing monoline auto. Well, we didn't stop writing it. You can't do that in a small town. What we started doing is going to a single carrier and saying, here, this is what we have to offer you. So there was a strategy put into place. And that was our way of backing up and looking at this book of business. And let me tell you, as this hard market has now poured upon us, we have account managers who can pay attention to these policies that are with this multi-line customer base. And we are paying much more attention to that group of customers. And we're allowing this monoline book of customers to sit out here. And guess what? They're not going anywhere. They're staying because the rest of the world's on fire too. So we're winning in both places. And it's a unique situation. And it look, we got lucky as well because we didn't know this market was coming. We saw little hints of it. But it's an interesting take to say, to your point, take a step back and look at your book. What can you do 
creatively to put your agency in the best position to serve and retain the customers you have, the ones you want to keep, and write new customers that are going to benefit you over that long-term cycle. I'm hearing some of our more seasoned listeners say, well, Shane, why don't you have your people cross-sell those folks instead of separating them? We tried for years. There's a combination of things. Either they're not homeowners and they don't want a renter's policy or they are borderline specialty, non-standard auto. There's been an attempt made and the result was mediocre at best. And it wasn't worth the energy and time to do that. I mean, everyone at that point that we made this decision pretty much had had the opportunity for us to take over other lines of business that they had. Most of them were just not candidates for other lines of business for whatever reason, or they were just unwilling to move their home from Farm Bureau. We're not going to put energy into part-time clients, a strategic decision that we made. That's a part-time client. It's not a full-time client in our view. That's the lens that we're choosing to look through. Doesn't mean they're a bad client. Doesn't mean we're mad at them. It's not personal. But from a business owner standpoint, we've made the strategic decision to say, you know what? Our energy, our focus needs to go to over here to our full-time clients. I have heard agents over and over so many times say, well, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to sell them this one policy and then I'm going to go back and I will cross sell them later on. And I think it just creates so much busyness that doesn't make sense when you can do it right the first time. There may be wonderful agencies out there that are successfully executing on the what I call get your foot in the door concept. I agree that the busyness and really it's about the capacity and the margin. I just think that the capacity issue to do that is a struggle for agencies. It's great to talk about. We're wonderful at talking about cross-sell. We're really, really not so good at actually executing on that whole idea. That's why I say don't do it. If you've already got the monoline book and you need to cross-sell it, well, yeah, put some energy into it. See if it works, if it's there. But to intentionally design your whole sales process around get your foot in the door and so you can come back and cross sell them again and later or why why not do it right now how much more time does it take to rebuild a book correctly than it does to just do it right the first time i've seen it a couple of different scenarios one there's inherited books like mine like the book of business that was purchased how the agency really was managed over the years one of our good friends bo pilgrim his agency was almost 80 percent non-standard monoline auto starting over so to speak i think there's the scenario of You've inherited this book or you've bought this book and now you've got to figure out what to do with it. Or I'll even go down the path of you built it the wrong way. I think there's these situations where you find yourself as an agency owner where there was this unintentional building of a book of business. And you have to decide, is this what I want it to look like or do I want it to be better? Do I want it to be cleaner? And you can redo this, but you have to let go of the proverbial ball and chains of that book. You can't treat part-time customers the same as you're going to treat full-time customers. 
it's much easier and much faster to build the book the right way from day one. No doubt. It's hard to do that too, because if you're starting from scratch and brand new, you're trying to create revenue. We know that it's going to be very hard for salespeople, producers to say no to a sale because we're not getting the auto and the home, because we're only getting the home or we're only getting the auto. It's going to be very difficult for us to do that when we're starting out. However, if you can, then it's better because you're not going to have to rebuild it three, four, five years from now. But if you find yourself in that spot where you've taken that step back, you're looking at the book and you're going, man, I'm at 1.5 policies per customer. I really want to get to two. Well, then pull those monoline customers out, take a look at them, see how much attention they're pulling at you and find a creative way to somewhat set them to the side. Serve your customers, set them over here and treat them a little differently. Maybe there's a proactive approach to then stop the bleeding. You got to stop adding to that bad bucket before you can build the new bucket in the first place. And I think it goes back to perspective. It goes back to lens. So when you sold that monoline piece of business, then you became that person's part-time agent. You became, this is the guy I bought my car insurance from, or you may not even be the guy that they bought the car insurance from. It just may be, that's my car insurance. So it's very difficult to go back and change his or her perspective of you as a full-time agent. I think it's better to take your time to create a new customer that has a completely different perspective from the start than to try to change someone's perspective of you and what you do. We have to maintain somewhat of this walk away power, confidence, your nail on the head here with customer's opinion of you, perspective of you. Remember, the customer has a lens too. How do they see you? Are you their insurance advisor? Are you important to them? Or are you a means to an end? I had someone tell me a couple of years ago, a business owner, insurance is just a means to an end. Sure, it's a means to an end for you until you have a claim and the claim isn't paid and it's declined and your business files bankruptcy because you owe 1.5 million verdict on this problem that your junior welder did without oversight in such and such plant that you were working in. A means to an end to me is a walk away red flag. I have to have it. It's business. It's the economy. It's risk transfer. The reason that you can even start this business is because the insurance industry exists. Because if the insurance industry didn't exist, you can't transfer that risk. You can't take all that on. You can't self-insure from day one, if ever. Changing this conversation and finding new and creative ways to do that and then realizing that we have to walk away from those customers that see us as a means to an end or a commodity. It goes back to our saying, you don't have to turn over every rock. I mean, if you find out up front that someone has no desire to listen to what you have to say or no desire to understand understand why they need a risk manager, walk away. It's okay. It's easier to find a different customer that wants and sees value in you. I think that that is where we are as an independent agency system. We have to take some power back there. And look, I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to have different debate on this, but the true advisors understand this. They understand that the load on their service staff six years down the road is going to depend on how you build that book. 
today. What you do and how that customer acts when you're not there. Are they yelling at your people? Is that customer over the line? I don't have a lot of experiences with customers that are in this high policy per customer bucket, standard preferred. We are their full-time agent. They are our full-time client. I don't have any experience there that I can think of where the customer went off the rails and got out of line with our people. I have numerous examples of part-time customers who got out of line with the staff person who was overly high maintenance to the point that we had to tell them we weren't the place for them. Plenty of examples in this other bucket over here were customers we shouldn't have been doing business with in the first place. I'm going to leave us with this quote from Walt Disney. The difference in winning and losing is most often not quitting. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.